Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast, episode number 269. I'm coming to you in the evening, kind of early, actually. Well, not super early, 1040. Early for me, though. And I'm coming to you from my favorite place, much more so than my classroom. Not that I don't like my classroom, but I'm coming to you from my favorite place, which is my back patio porch. I call it Serenity Place or Shalom Place, and um, I'm realizing that my days out here this season are numbered. It is cool tonight. Pleasant, refreshing, but cool. And I know that days are fleeting for the season of warmth when I can sit out here. So I will enjoy it tonight, be present in this moment. As I reflect back on how I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the presence of God today. So I'm kind of torn in what to focus on today because I think there was one moment in particular that was particularly important and powerful, but more recently, I've just been feeling a Uh, just a malaise, a sadness, an anger, a frustration about what is going on in our nation right now and what is going to happen tomorrow um, with the Senate hearings. So I I think there's a thread between the two of them. And the two of them, the thread is, is brokenness. You know, the Today was a special schedule for us. We had our fall activity assembly. And during this, we have the teams and the clubs, and they get up and they talk a little bit about what they do and give a shout-out to the seniors, and there's a little video that students produced. And it's a nice way to, you know, gather the community. And we do this three times, fall, winter, and spring. And today was the first time that I got up to speak about the Care for Creation Association that I moderate. And it's the second year that we've done this, but we didn't get up last year for this. Today was the first time. And our video was was quite a nice one of the students in the garden, which we took a week or so ago. I think I mentioned it here on the pod. And um, as I was preparing for it, I came up with this idea that... uh, to, to make something symbolic and to make a show, not a trivial show, but to invite people to literally stand up for what is right. And what I, um, I did was I, I talked about care for creation and what we do and the urgency of this. I mentioned two recent headlines that I had just seen earlier today on my newsfeed about ice melting more rapidly than even the scientists could even conceive of, and the ridiculous amount of rain that the Carolinas got from Florence, something like 40 inches in in more than one place. And this is like 1,000-year flood levels, you know, one in 1,000 years under previous climate models. So I said there's an urgency for this. And then I invited the students who served in the garden during our summer gym program way back during back in June, I invited them to stand up 
And, you know, they kind of reluctantly stood up. And there, there were a few of them. This is the church garden up the street from us that, again, that I mentioned last week. And we're going to go serve um, the Thursdays in um, October. So then the kids were kind of sheepish. And I said, OK, uh, raise your hand if you serve twice, because some of the kids did go twice and, and the kids raised their hands. And then I said, How, stay standing, because some of them wanted to sit down. They were kind of feeling a little sheepish. And then I said, um, stand up if you've ever served in the garden, because quite a few kids have gone there on their own or at different times. So a few more kids stand, stood up. And then I kind of focused back to a point that I had made just a moment earlier about we care for creation for the unborn. You know, we are too narrow in thinking of the unborn as just those who are already conceived and in the womb, talking about defending their right to life and protecting them when we really need to be thinking of the unborn much, much further out, the unborn children of my students and, and their children's children and their children's children's children and so forth, right? So I said, stand up if you make a pledge to care for creation so that your children and their children's children will have a livable planet to inhabit. And there was some applause with that, which was great. And, and I don't know if everyone in the gym stood up, but quite a few people did. And it was, I think, an important moment where kids were challenged and invited to really think about this and to, to make a commitment to do something. So I was thinking about this and, and really as a highlight of the day and God's presence in that but then I was thinking, you know, we have to have this club and we have to, I had to say that because we have broken our climate. We have broken the ecosystem of our planet. It's broken and we really don't know how it's going to be repaired. Many climate scientists say even if we made the most significant changes today, there's no guarantee that it will fix the climate, that we might have reached a critical point where the storms are going to get worse and the droughts will get worse and the ice will melt and, uh, you know, waters will rise and land will be lost and so forth. So I was thinking about this idea of brokenness as I look at the headlines and the frenzy and the just sickness that we're seeing with this Supreme Court nominee and you know, I, I kind of don't even really know where to start. And I, I don't want to sound partisan on this because it, it has become so hyper-partisan, everything in our nation right now. But this is a matter of getting at the truth of painful moments for people. You know, it doesn't seem like anyone is really disputing Dr. Ford and her story, her remembrance that she remembered in, in counseling a number of years ago of being nearly raped at a party. Now, there are those who are disputing whether it truly was Brett Kavanaugh and his friend Mark Judge who were in that room, and there's been all kinds of crazy stuff about, you know, conspiracies and this and forgotten identities and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't take away the fact that she was assaulted and that that was a painful, painful experience for her. And then the more allegations have come. And I don't even want to repeat what the allegations were about the party and a, a, a drunken guy doing horrible things. 
And then today, even worse, with parties, with drugs and and setting up, uh, I I can't even talk about it, but yet this is in our headlines. And these are the questions that are going to be asked to this, this nominee tomorrow. And I just can't believe how far we've fallen because in saner times when our democracy worked, it wouldn't be all this partisan bickering. It wouldn't be conspiracy theories. It wouldn't be people, the nominee going on and all these talking heads going on and saying this and that. And, you know, people could be honest here. You know, I think it is beyond a doubt at this point that Kavanaugh had some wild times during high school. Why can't he be honest about that? And if he did things he regrets, why can't he say that? I think that would be much more desirable in a lifetime appointee to the Supreme Court. Albeit, if he is truly innocent, if the things that are being accused of him absolutely are no way possible for him, then he is in a terrible, horrible spot. But it doesn't seem that way. It seems like the these the the number of people who are seeing this are are just significant and you know there's there's this dichotomy people are like well we see him one way and others are like no we've seen him another way and you know if this man has a drinking problem and has had a drinking problem when he was in high school the Jekyll Hyde that is being described is absolutely absolutely true and understandable in this situation so, you know, I cringe really at what tomorrow's spectacle is likely to bring. I cringe at the possibility that Kavanaugh will make it onto the Supreme Court. You know, even if the Republicans and the conservatives want to have a conservative on the court who will advance their agenda, there are other people. He can be withdrawn, and there are other people. But we're getting close to an election, and the base would holler and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, and I think this is what made me the most angry and the most sad tonight, and I know this for a fact, that women who have been sexually assaulted and raped, especially those who never saw any sort of justice against their their rapist, their violator, the one who violated them, they are being assaulted again by all of this in the news and in the media. And I know I just read an editorial by a woman who says how hard it is to see this and to hear this and to know that she experienced similar things and to have to go over and over and over again the memories that don't leave. You know, sexual assault is, I think, in a civilized society, the worst crime, almost as bad as murder because it murders the spirit of the one who is violated. That's why there is so much anger and so much frustration with what, was, what happened in the sex scandal in the Catholic Church, because that was a violation at the most basic level. And we're talking about that here. And yet, yet the victims are not being heard, and the victims are not really being supported in this. So, where is God's presence in all of this? Our broken earth, our broken political system. You know, 
it's hard to see God's presence. That being said, it's hard to see God's presence in the broken figure of Christ on the cross. But it was in the dying and the breaking and the surrender that resurrection was able to come. You know, we're in the time of year where we see death of the trees and the leaves and the falling into winter, the death of the sun. But we know that there will be rebirth. Spring will come and the trees and the leaves will come back anew. We celebrate this in in our church calendar. We celebrate this in, in our great myths, the myth of the phoenix rising from the ashes, the myth of death and resurrection in in many, many ways. But in order to be reborn, one has to die. Does this mean our planet needs to die? I certainly hope not. Does this mean our government and the way we do our politics has to die? Probably. Now, I'm not advocating violent revolution or uprising, but it is clear that we've reached the point where we're stuck we're stuck. And maybe even our constitution won't be able to get us unstuck because two thirds majority for any kind of an amendment, we're not going to get that these days. We might be impossible to get that. So the brokenness here might be unfixable under the current conditions, regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who's in Congress because we're dealing with forces. And I really think diabolical forces, quite frankly, because those are the forces that separate and divide and bring hatred and fear and what is reigning today in so many different ways. So I think for me, God's presence tonight is in this brokenness and recognizing the pain and the sorrow and having the deep faith that Christ is here, that Christ is with us in the midst of this. But just like the sacrament of reconciliation, Christ can't do anything unless we acknowledge our need for forgiveness, unless we acknowledge the brokenness and are able to ask for Christ's help in rebuilding, resurrecting. And I don't think we're there quite yet. So I wait to see what happens tomorrow in the the testimony and a moment like the Anita Hill hearings that I remember years ago. I remember watching those, not glued to the TV, but I remember seeing them and hearing them. And I imagine that tomorrow is going to etch itself into people's memories as well. And I hope that justice and goodness and right prevails, but it might not. But I hope and pray that it does. And I hope and pray that we as a people will recognize that we're broken and We need to do things differently. As always, thanks for letting me share. Blessings and peace.